Hey, hey, hey. It is Tawana Davis, Reverend Tawana Davis, Reverend T in the building on today. Today is Tuesday, so we have Tuesdays with Tawana. Looking forward to joining with you on this Tuesday in the midst of joy, in the midst of grief, in the midst of change, in the midst of anxiously waiting. Um, I have not been on online, had a pretty busy morning this morning, so I don't think the verdict has come in yet, but y'all holla at me if, if it has, and we will definitely shift gears. What's up, Cordio, my little buttercup? Good to see you. Happy Tuesday to you as well. Uh, so let's get started. You know, this this is uh, a broadcast where we build community one uh, broadcast at a time. Uh, this will be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Tawana Davis. So those of you who don't catch it now and want to catch it with the video, you can catch it on YouTube or you can catch it as a podcast on various uh, platforms. We have Apple, we have Spotify, we have Anchor. So I usually p- post it later on in the afternoon. I p- post it to LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. So just trying to build community and really stretch and and uh, and raise our consciousness. Because when we raise our consciousness, we are able to respond and react differently. In my meditation this morning, it was about making a choice to respond or react. And those are two different, they have two different feels, two different tenors to them. They kind of mean the same thing, but responding and reacting um, responding is actually connecting and 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 using that curiosity that we've been talking about, and um, reacting is is emotional. So it may come forth as um, you know a bit more assertive, if you will, when the moment may not call for that. And then there are some moments where it is assertive where it needs to be assertive and we need to insert and change the narrative and center black women and be you know dispelling the strong black woman or the angry black woman and all these other things that go along with other people trying to define us but we define who we are we show up as how we be unapologetically so um you know sometimes those things happen hey mama lovey uh not okay today yeah just waiting just waiting. So let us wait together. Let us wait in community. Let us wait in in prayer and and centering ourselves and loving on each other and breathing. Let us all breathe. Let us all breathe. Jackie is so good to see you, my pink sister. I got to call you because I am fully vaccinated and we are too close not to see each other. So we will finally be able to see each other. I'll talk offline about that and maybe hit you up later on this evening. Hey, Mama Carolyn, always good to see you. (sighs) Yeah, um, I'm breathing. I'm breathing. It's anxiously waiting for justice. And the the outcome of this murder uh, that was seen around the world, and you know, it's triggering. It's triggering to continue to see the videos of our black bodies 
being murdered. Uh, it's 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 triggering and it's heinous when we hear people with we try to understand this mindset that they have, like you know, not seeing what we see. So why don't you try laying on the ground and let somebody else put a knee in your neck for? nine and a half minutes. Angela, I was just thinking about you. So good to see you. So glad you're here. Miss seeing your beautiful face and yeah, just being in your presence. Miss you much, miss you much sis. Miss you. Um, so when we talk about triggers, um, you know, we, we are in a space where it's important for us to, to learn what our triggers are, because if we don't learn what those triggers are, they will keep triggering us to a point of an unhealthy stance or a hurtful stance or a painful stance. And triggers don't always have to be so heinous and so hurtful if we acknowledge them and name them and deal with them. For instance, um, when we talk about losing a loved one, um, you know, it's it's triggering when other people post or call me and tell me that they have lost their parent or parents because I lost both of my parents. They're with me in the ancestral realm, but I've I've lost them physically, and um, it's so interesting that even in the midst of that trigger that causes me maybe to shed tears because I miss my mom and dad. But then on the flip side of that, I also remember all of the beautiful memories and I would not be who I am. I would not be here literally if it wasn't for them, but I wouldn't be here. So I have to, I, I'm, I have an opportunity to take those triggers and do a both and to grieve and to celebrate. Remember last week we talked about joy and pain and how they're inextricably bound. So with death and dying, I get to grieve and celebrate. And we've been doing a lot of that in the midst of COVID because people are dying alone. People are dying without their family members. People are dying, you know, via uh, FaceTime and Zoom and all of these other virtual meetings to meet with their family members because they can't actually be there at the hospital. So all of those things um, happening, we are creative in finding different ways to show love because grief is love. Love is love. Um, if I, when I love myself and I love myself deeply and I find God and I realize that she lives within me and without, then I can use both and. Uh, so the triggers don't always have to be so negative. So am I talking to myself? Yes for the most part, because I had to remind myself of this the other day. Someone did or said something to me that was triggering and I could not put that on that person. That was my trigger to deal with, had nothing to do or very little to do with that person, but it had to do with me and my past history with relationships, whether it was intimate relationships with a partner or an intimate relationship with a dear friend. And I had to come to terms with that and really not let that trigger destroy what could be a, a great friendship. Hey, Miss Odessa, good afternoon. Good to see you. So glad you joined with us on today. So that trigger, I had to check myself for a moment and really think and reflect and breathe and then speak my truth. Because dealing with triggers does not mean that we remain silent and we suffer in silence. 
we, we're able to name those things out loud if we so choose with the person that has um, triggered us or unknowingly triggered us. And we should name that so that we can come together instead of working out of an impasse and then separating and losing um, a friendship or a relationship. Having a conversation about how I feel should be important in a relationship and has an opportunity to be honored and loved and respected and recognized even if the person doesn't agree or even if the person said, my God, I didn't realize that something like that would trigger you. It wasn't intentional. Hey, Elaine. Yes, ma'am. My, my writing professor, my ride or die, soon to be Dr. Davis. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm working very hard. Very, very hard. What's up, Bobby? So good to see you. I was thinking about my brothers the other day, all of the beautiful people that are in my life. I often name my sisters, but I have some beautiful brothers that surround me as well. I have beautiful people in my world that enable me to do the things that I do. And I'm sitting here before you today, a day after treatment. Um, my numbers are looking great. Um, I've, I'm struggling with a little um, dizziness and, and imbalance. So they think I may have vertigo, but they're gonna run some other tests and then figure that out in the next three weeks or so. But I just wanted to give you a health update. And again, another trigger, a healing trigger, because here I was a whole year since my last surgery. And now it's like, oh, what else could go wrong? Or even my nurse said to me yesterday, because I've been, you know, dealing with bouts of insomnia here and there. And she said, you know what? Um, she said, I have nightmares. And I look at patients like you who deal with insomnia on a regular, and especially the day before treatment, the anxiety, the wondering, am I going to get treatment? Are my numbers okay? And I was like, wow. And I knew this, but it was just a reminder of how these healing triggers happen and I can either respond or react. So I respond to them in a way that is healing and helpful and, and enlightening and it gives me light and it brings me joy and it brings healing energy to me instead of responding to, well, why we got to do this? Why this is like that? And you know, I, I, I can ask questions. I need to ask questions because we must learn, especially as black women, to advocate for ourselves. That is so important. Amanda, I miss you so much. Good afternoon. I am so glad you are here. Good to see you back. What's up, sis? Christina Reed is in the building. Um, so even healing triggers, that's a thing. It is so it's it's not always the the traumatic triggers, if you will. We must acknowledge and 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 name all of the triggers from A through Z, from Alpha to Omega, um, all of the triggers that trigger us into a good space or trigger us into a not so good space, and being able to find that balance and to deal with that accordingly, especially when it involves other people that are closely knit in our circles. Another trigger trigger, or example of a trigger, you know, we, we recently lost two powerhouses in, in, in New York, in Harlem, two um, amazing rappers, two amazing um, kings in our world. And we can judge them or some people can judge them all they want about the troubles and the challenges that they have been through in their life. And that is a part of racism. That is a part of white supremacy. It is designed 
to be that way because, you know, we don't fly in the drugs, right? We don't have the resources to do all of that. So when Earl Simmons, also known as DMX, may you rest in peace and finally have the peace that you have been searching for, the peace that you have been searching for in the midst of using drugs, the peace that you have been looking for in the midst of your music, the peace that you have been looking for in the midst of your 17 kids, the peace that you have been looking for, you have finally found through death. And you can rest and have some semblance of peace. Because just imagine a mother leaving a child at a group home and you're thinking you're going to visit momentarily and you end up staying there and being deserted by your parent. What is that going to trigger in you? How are you to exude self-love? And then you have a cousin or a relative come and offer you, um, today is 420. So shout out to all of those who acknowledge 420 and, and who use it for whatever reason. Um, I use uh, uh, edibles and, and salve for medicinal reasons. Instead of using painkillers, I use salve to help with um, sore muscles because my radiated side is still sore. I have limited access in my left arm. But back to uh, Earl Simmons, you know, we can judge them all we want. But had we loved them when they were here? Had we supported them when they were here? And I do understand that people, you know, we can only help those who even have a desire to help themselves, a small crack in their heart to want to help themselves. And were the people there to do that? There are people there after the fact to make sure his kids are cared for, but what the hell did we do when they were here besides listen to their music, party and do all that? And were we really connected? Were friends really connected to Earl and to, to really try to help him? And I know it's hard when you're talking about addiction. It is hard when you're talking about any type of um, addiction that's related to whether it's domestic violence or mental health issues or drug addiction or whatever. It's hard to get someone to a space where they want to help. They want the help for themselves and they just don't know how to get it. So sometimes it's a matter of talking and having a conversation and planting that seed and saying, my brother, my sister, I see you. I'm here. I've, I've been there. I've been here. I've done that. And I have survived. I tell this story often how my daughter saved my life. I don't necessarily promote teen pregnancy, but when I had my daughter as a teenager, she saved my life because then I wanted to live better for her. So she had a better life. So I finished high school the next year. I had her in August of 86 and I graduated high school in 87, went straight to college at St. John's University and then went into the corporate. So those things happened as a blessing while people were judging me and, and you know, because I was a young mom and, and talking to my mom about me and the streets were talking and blah, blah, blah. And had I listened to them, then I wouldn't be where I am today and really turning that, that, that unusual moment into a blessing, right? So what could we have done for Earl Simmons to turn those unusual moments into a blessing? Just showing him love unconditionally without judgment. The same with Rob, with Black Rob, Rob Ross, um, 
you know, uh, my my daughter's father was good friends with him. My daughter met him. Um, and it, so it hit, you know, close enough to home where we not only loved his music, but he also had addictions and was struggling. And where were the people in the music business? You know, I know that um, I can't remember his name right now, but the manager prior to Black Rob's death, he was raising money to get him into an apartment when he found out he was homeless because he didn't even know he was homeless, according to what he said during interviews. So he raised money so that he can get some mental health, that he can get some addiction help and he can get an apartment. And then a few days later, he died. So those are the things that can be done um, while people are living. You know, let them know that they are loved regardless. Let them know that they are loved unconditionally. Let them know, let us know that we are loved with unconditional positive regard. Let, let us know that you still love me even though um, I'm breastless. Let me know that you are, have not been sexualizing me as a black woman, um, that I, I have to go to the doctor every three weeks and do all this and you know put um, my health in front of everything and you can still love me unconditionally. Um, when you're selfish and you're wondering why somebody is not treating you or talking to you every day or whatever, think about what that person is going through, right? So, so rest well, Black Rob, rest well, DMX. My, my children, we had two or three generations growing up on DMX. We listened, when we went to New York the other weekend, we listened to DMX all the way home. We heard other cars listening to DMX and we loved him then. We love him now, and I just wish that I knew him. He was from Yonkers. I'm from Harlem. You know, Harlem rocks. Harlem is the best. Um, but I didn't get to know him personally. Um, my daughter saw him at a gas station. We used to live um, not too far from Yonkers when we owned a home in the Bronx, and she saw him at a gas station up the block from our house blasting his own music, and she was like, yeah, that's how you do it. If ain't nobody else going to play it, you're going to rock it for yourself. You know what I mean? Take care of yourself. But unfortunately, they were in a position, Black Rob and DMX, where they could not care for themselves. So let me shift about caring for those that are working for these large conglomerates or large institutions, or even the church. Let's talk about insurance, right? Um, Christina said, man, Diddy did... Girl... Diddy did him so wrong. Um, it took social media for him to even do an inkling of help and to rectify the situation is sickening. Thank you. Thank you, God, for, for affirming what I'm about to say. I was just about to go there, Christina. And now that you named Diddy, we're going to call him out as well because Black Rob was on your label, bruh. Black Rob was on your label making you money, and then you just drop everybody. You make these one-hit wonders and these groups, and then you break out. But where is their life insurance? Where's their savings? How are you making sure that they are constantly getting some sort of ASCAP check or royalty check or whatever it's called so that they can survive? How did you not know that one of your former artists who was from your hood in New York City was homeless and was sick? And had several strokes and 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 was trying to make it through and 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 drugs was was his his comfort, his healing, and he had to come forth. Somebody released a video about him being homeless, and then people started responding. Too late. 
We got to love people where they are. We got to meet them where they are. We got to love them in the moment because tomorrow is not promised to us. You don't know what everybody is going through between the pandemic, between waiting for this verdict, between being unemployed, between being homeless or unhoused, excuse me, between uh, uh, not having access to proper health care or even health insurance for that matter. I need everybody on this to go get some life insurance because we are, we should not be dying and then opening GoFundMe pages. Now, there are stipulations to that as well that are quite racist in the um, insurance field. So if you're not of perfect health and we know that our health is um, compromised, you won't get insurance or you won't get a lot of insurance. You may not even get enough insurance to pay for a decent funeral. We're not talking about doves flying in the air and you know, brass uh, handles on the coffin, even a, a, just a simple funeral might cost uh, a bit too much. So we need to work. So how do we do all of this, right? How, how do we make all of this happen? We come together as, compu- as community. Um, I know a beloved sister, Delshawn from New York, who is constantly, she is an insurance um, agent, and she's bringing people on to be trained to be insurance agents, and she's going out to make sure that Black folk are insured. And and people are like, oh, is this a gimmick? Is this this? I don't want to spend thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred dollars a month on an insurance policy, but yet you go and do other things. Let's prioritize our lives and our health because nobody else is going to do it for us. We got to do it for us, for us and by us. If we don't do that, we're not going to be cared for and we're going to keep dying at 50. Another trigger. I'm 51 years old. DMX was 50. Black Rob was 51 of going to be 52. Trigger. I am diagnosed with HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer, no cure. Trigger. So I live today to the fullest. I do this broadcast in the midst of intense writing because I need my community. When I pull out, pull out a, a prayer request, I don't do it just for, for show or to, to tell folk my, my personal business because I know I got some amazing prayer warriors out there. And when y'all pray, things happen. I just told y'all yesterday when I went to treatment, my numbers probably look better than they have in such a long time. I'm changing my diet, I'm exercising every day. Um, And before it was happening, but it was a bit more sporadic. And now I'm just loving myself even more because I wanna live and I don't wanna die at the hands of systemic ills and systemic racism. I wish that this didn't happen to DMX and Black Rob. I wish that this didn't happen to my daughter's grandfather who just died of COVID who lived a long life, very healthy, played tennis all of his life. He had a very heavy West Indian accent and all I could understand is tennis. Anytime he would talk to me, Darylin and tennis, that was it. (laughs) So, you know, we, we are losing people closer and closer to home from these systemic ills. And quite frankly, it's hurtful. It's tiring. It's, it's, Hey, Reverend Angela, thank you, God, for healing power. Thank you for permission 
to let it out, Christina. I appreciate it. Um, I had to make a decision a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was dealing with um, anxiety and depression, you know, during COVID. That's, it was winter time. Now that spring is here. I went shopping. I bought some shoes. I bought two pairs of sneakers. I bought some leggings. Some, I couldn't find some jeans because I have to go to the store to try them on because I really don't know what size I am anymore. But I bought some leggings and some T-shirts and a Harlem sweatshirt and all that. So I actually went shopping. And I also made a decision to come off of the medicine that was um, uh, antidepressants because I really didn't like the way it made me feel. I felt like I couldn't feel. I felt like I wasn't myself. So I'm still on the anti-anxiety medicine, but I stopped taking with permission from my psychiatrist and we tapered down and did all of the things that the medical field would want me to do. And I share that and I say that because we got to begin to normalize mental health. We got to normalize being diagnosed with cancer and what comes along with that. Um, thank you, Amanda. <laughs> I'm breathing, thank you. So with that, I share these stories because I'm hoping that these stories can then roll into other aspects of life. It doesn't have to just be cancer. It could be kidney failure and dialysis. It could be diabetes. It could be congestive heart failure. It could be whatever. And in those moments, we gotta love ourselves and make the best of that moment. Um, to take care of ourselves and to make the best decisions and to be advocates for ourselves and to love people where they are, no matter where they are in their current position, situation and circumstance, because then maybe DMX and Black Rob would still be here. But you know what? Just like the long litany, the long list of other Black beloveds who have died at the hands of systemic ills, we we must then make sure that they don't die in vain and that their blood still does not cry from the ground because we did not do what we were supposed to do collectively as a community, forgiving one another, loving one another, trusting one another, and just moving forward to fight the good fight. We got to put these systemic ills behind us. We got to get white people to dismantle what they created so that we can live and not die, right? We got to come together. And this is why I do what I do. Thank you for the hugs and sending love and light. I appreciate it. We got to love ourselves, take care of ourselves, advocate for ourselves. Yes, Angela, keep repeating that. Repeat that for me because that, that is so, so, so true. Um, and we just don't. Beloved community, Christina Reed. Yes, yes. We got to come together. So as we begin to close, um, you know, I, I want to offer... Um, one, a space to breathe. Thank you for creating a space for me to breathe. For us to be advocates, for us to love unconditionally, for us to meet people where they are, whether they're in domestic violence situations, whether they are um, uh, former, you know, formerly incarcerated, they have a felony or whatever, helping people where they are to be the beautiful human beings that they were created to be. Um, you shall live and not die and declare that the, the, the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Reverend. We'll see each other soon since I'm fully uh, 
vaccinated now. <laughs> um, so as I close, um, love on you as well. Identify those triggers and begin to, to nurture and acknowledge and raise your consciousness and awareness of those triggers. Because if we don't aware, raise that awareness, we won't know and we'll continue to hurt inside and have this pain. And it's not good for our body. Our cells react to that. Our mind reacts to that. Our heart reacts to that. Our spirit and our soul. So so we got to acknowledge. We have an opportunity to acknowledge those triggers. And we have an opportunity to acknowledge them in a way where we're grieving and loving at the same time. Where we're hurting and healing at the same time where we are doing this both and and not dismissing the fullness of us because all of that is a part of us and the fullness thereof and the fullness thereof and we are both human and divine and we must acknowledge that divinity to do that healing and that restoration and that reconciliation within us so that we can do it with other people and to love others. Because if we don't love ourselves, how are we going to love others? How are we going to teach others how to love us? My God. So I thank you for joining today. I thank you for 420 and representing. This is Bob Marley, by the way, for those of you who may not know. Love Bob Marley. Me and Christina Reed just had a long conversation um, just about life, about music, about religion, about everything. I was going to wear a print shirt today, but then I remembered it was 420. So, you know, had to represent my Bob Marley on today. So here we go. The T-shirt queen is here with Bob Marley representing. Hey, Tammy, 